can remember it quite vividly. 12 years old at a youth camp. I remember the speaker every day, every session. He said three words and he drilled them into us as young people. And these three words were him for me. Him for me. I don't actually remember what he was teaching on. I trust that it was God's word. Uh, I can't remember which book in the Bible it was, but I can remember those words quite vividly. Him for me. Him for me. I've never forgot them. That's the essence of the cross. Him for me. If you remember one thing today, maybe uh, in weeks, months to come, most probably, uh, you won't remember what the first sermon was um, for the starting of this series. You won't remember which book of the Bible we looked at, perhaps. But perhaps you'll remember him for me, the essence of the cross. Johnny's already mentioned a quote um, from Trevor. Trevor Wax, isn't it? Trevin. Trevin, Trevin. <clears throat> Trevor, I like Trevor better. Let's stay with Trevor. <laughs> he could change his name. Um, Trevin Wax. And similar, here's a quote from... C.J. Mahaney, and it's of the similar kind of essence. Never be content with your current grasp of the gospel. The gospel is life-permeating, world-altering, universe-changing truth. It has more facets than a diamond. Its depths man will never exhaust. This series, we're going to dig deeper into what happened at the cross. But I don't want you to get caught out thinking, right, there's thousands of things I've got to remember that happened at the cross. We're just going to dig deeper into, I think, five. John has mentioned six or seven weeks. I think it's five, but the debate's at six weeks, is it? Not including next week, it's still six, because we've got Good Friday as well. So let's go with six times. You're going to, mention a, you're going to hear a different angle mentioned uh, about the cross, but I don't want you to get so caught up in all of that that you forget him for me. Him for me. We're going to look at 1 Peter 3, verse 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. I hope you find these useful. Rosie and the team go to great lengths uh, to produce these because we think they're great reminders. Pop them in your wallet. Put them on the dashboard of your car to look at when you're parking, when you're parked. Put it on the mirror bathroom mirror that you know you look at uh, every morning where's the best place to put this that will just help remind you what happened on the cross him for me for Christ also suffered once for sins the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God here's the first angle here's the first as Trev as no CJ Mahaney said, here's the, the of the diamond, here's a facet that we're going to look at today, and it's substitution. What happened at the cross? It was sub substitution. Three points we're going to look at are all questions that I think are going to help us uh, to dig a little bit deeper using 1 Peter 3:18 and actually looking at it in reverse. So here. Here's the point. What's the purpose of the cross? What is its ultimate purpose? I think we need to know and understand what the purpose is of the things that we use. 
the things that we trust in? What's their ultimate purpose? I was doing the dishes the other day, just emptying the dishwasher, and uh, rummaging through one of our drawers, I don't know, I reckon we've got about 50 different kitchen utensils, not including knives and forks. Uh, And I picked up a couple, uh, and a couple that I've never, ever used in my life. And I was asking the question, first to myself, and then to my wife, who didn't have a clue either, of why they were there. What is the purpose of these two items? They've been sitting in our drawer for a long time, and every time I've looked at them, I've just chuckled to myself, and they stay there, and I haven't done anything with them, and I haven't moved them on to another home. They've just sat there. And the reason why I think they sit there is because I do not know what they do. I don't know their ultimate purpose. So uh, as part of our uh, sermon, for those listening on podcasts, there's only about 10 that ever listen, um, but I'll I'll, I'll, I'll throw my voice over there. I'm holding two utensils. Let's go with the first one here. Anyone got a clue what that is? It's music. Mark Metal, you know this kind of stuff. (laughs) No? Gavel. A what? Courtroom gavel. Oh, court, what, like to, oh, courtroom gavel, okay. I think it's a kitchen utensil, but it does look like one of those, doesn't it? Yeah, maybe it was. I think it is, Phil. Do you know what? I think it is. I think it's from Africa. It's a little bottle opener. Phil hmm. Sarko. I've opened many bottles. Well, there we go. Let's erase that. Um, what, about, um, what about this? An honest thing. Oh, very good, Abby. <laughs> now, I had a few, I asked Johnny, tea strainer, he wrote the tea strainer straight away. Uh, but the more sophisticated culture, uh, culture in, the, uh, in the congregation would know that this is an olive spoon. So you dip it in, apparently. Um, Kerry and I both dislike olives uh, with a passion, but it remains in our drawer in the kitchen. Who wants it? Chris Wimber's up there. Look, he's up there. Rascal. Yeah, I thought it would be first. Here's the point. You see the point. If I don't understand the purpose of an item in this illustration, I'm never going to use it. I'm never going to get full use out of it. And here's the risk. When we come to the cross... Even if you've been a Christian for years and years and years, we, we prayed at uh, three o'clock together, the, the setup team, that we would, as Christians, if you've been a Christian for many years, that there would be a freshness about this series, that we would really get to grips with the purpose of the cross. If you've just become a Christian in the last few years, same prayer for you, that you would grasp exactly what the cross achieved. What was its purpose? And if you're not a Christian here today, that you would grapple with some of the things that are being said and you would work out what the purpose of the cross is because there's so many people that have an idea of Jesus, that have some kind of understanding, but but they don't really know, like the utensils in the drawer, and therefore they can't, if you like, get the most out of what the truth is. What's the first purpose? I think there are two. There's an ultimate one. And then there's one that helps us understand where we're looking at today. A few months ago now, perhaps years, one year even, John 17, we looked at God and his glory. Here's the first purpose of the cross. It's for God. It's for him. 
It's for his glory. It's for him to display his infinite worth and ultimate beauty. That's glory. For God to display his infinite worth and ultimate beauty. That is glory. John 17 verse 1 says this, and Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come, glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those who have given or all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Here's Jesus in the moment he goes to the cross saying, this is the purpose. God, glorify me now that I may glorify you. Lord, may the world see your infinite worth and ultimate beauty in this moment at the cross. There's the ultimate reason that the cross happened. But secondly, and I think that's important, we start firstly. So very often I dive in and I think the cross is all about me. I think the purpose of the cross is all for me. And it's for God and his glory that we may see him for the God that he is, that he would do such a thing so the world might see him and bow the knee. God is glorified in the cross. Secondly, it's to bring us back to God. Do you see that in the verse? It's the end. We're going to start from back to front to bring you to God. That's the purpose of the cross. It's the cross that brings people back to God. That is why Jesus had to die, to bring you back to your creator, the best thing possible for you and I to spend eternity with God in his glorious presence. (laughs) Back to the garden and better. I wandered around my garden yesterday. Took me about nine seconds, (laughs) but I wandered around And with these words in mind, what will it be like to wander back in the garden, if you like, with the one who's created me, the one who dearly loves me, the one whose glory I will see forever? Do you ever let your mind wander? Wander towards heaven? Wonder what it would be like? Back to the garden And better to bring you to God in the presence of the one who dearly loves us. But in order for God to do that, back to front, see that? To bring you to God, in order for God to do that, he faces a huge problem. Huge problem. Because here are a couple of questions that God needs to answer. How can the holy love of God come to terms with unholy lovelessness of mankind? Or or how can a God of righteousness love unrighteous me? Or, Or how can God be true to himself, his righteousness and his justice, and bring me a sinful and righteous man back to himself? It's a huge problem that God faces. It's the ultimate purpose of the cross, 
that he would be glorified and that he would bring me back to him. But he faces a huge problem in doing so, for God cannot change his character. He cannot. So point two helps us understand this a little bit. Here's our second point. Why is our sin so offensive to God? Why isn't it the case that that God can just say, back with me? I love you. Come on, heaven awaits. Welcome. Why can't God, the God of the Bible, just do that? If he was loving, surely he could do that, couldn't he? Come on. Welcome. Heaven awaits. I'm here waiting. Come on. But our sin is so offensive to God. Why? Because of the nature of God and because of the nature of our sin. This is why our sin is so offensive to God, because of the nature of God and because of the nature of our sin. Look, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. Let's look at the nature of our sin firstly. You know, in the Old Testament, over 50 different words for sin. And just in the Old Testament, uh, words like this, rebellion, self-righteousness separation, going astray, disobedience, lostness, error, ignorance of God. 50 words, 50 different words for sin in the Old Testament that describe the state of mankind, describe the state of men, that describe the state of you. And they can be boiled down, I think, into three main metaphors. Transgression, to break a law. We know what that looks like in our society. Going astray to be a rebel. Secondly, falling short to to miss a mark. To be unclean. Think of Paul. Paul wasn't breaking laws. He was zealous to keep the law. But yet he still fell far short of the glory of God. Transgression, to break a law. Falling short, to miss a mark, to be unclean. And thirdly, iniquity, to be in a broken state, to be out of shape. Isaiah, when he stood before God, he was confronted by his brokenness, that he was not complete. Transgression, falling short, iniquity. Bible boils it all down into three pictures, 50 words. Here's this statement for you and I today. We're more wicked than we could ever imagine. That's what the Bible says. And that is highly offensive. It's highly offensive to the society and world that we live in today. That could be highly offensive to you. I'd love to talk more uh, with you afterwards. 50 different words, three major metaphors, Every single one of them describes me and my state before a holy God. And you see, these three pictures of our sin committed in three ways. I think this is pretty obvious. Internal, that we sin against ourselves. We let ourselves down. We were created for more. We were created to worship and glorify God, and yet we do not. 
internal. Horizontal, we commit sins against each other. Think now this week, who do you think you've crossed? Who do you think you've spoken unkindly to? Internal, horizontal and vertical, we've sinned against God. We've gone against him. We've broke his laws. We've fallen short of him. We've been found in our iniquity, in our broken state, out of shape. I felt that this weekend. Be grumpy. Ah, Trying to track my grumpiness. (laughs) Why is it I'm grumpy? I'm grumpy because of me. That was it. Of course, I could say the children kind of wind me up, and they do. My wife really annoys me, which I know, if that's right, I'll annoy her ten times more. But ultimately, what was it? It's me, my iniquity, my broken state before God. I'm just... Not, and I will not be this side of heaven, but I'm a new creation because of what he's done. I will get on to that. But I know I'm not everything I should be in front of God, as he created me to be. I've fallen in iniquity, my broken state. I'm out of shape. I'm more wicked than I could ever imagine. See, it is our state that stops us, our sinful state that stops us being with a holy God. So it's the nature of our sins and it's also the nature of God. That's why God finds sin most offensive. The nature of our sins, but also the nature of our God because our God is a holy God. That's what I believe in from the Old Testament. That's what I believe in from the New Testament. That's what we believe in from the Bible. He's a holy God. He's good. He's righteous in every way. Therefore, he must treat sin as sin deserves. And sin deserves judgment. And sin deserves punishment. And that is great. Do you know what? Otherwise, heaven will be full of the same problems that we face here. If God does not treat sin as sin deserves. He must. He's got to stay true to his character. He must. And this is why it's a problem, a huge problem. Why is our sin so offensive to God? Because of the nature of our sin and because of the nature of God. It's our sin that Christ suffered and died. You see that? For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. You see, it's unrighteous me. Point three. And we're getting there, we've nearly done. So why did Jesus have to die? Why did Jesus have to die? We looked firstly, what's the purpose of the cross? Answer, yes, for God's glory, but to bring you to God, starting from the back to the front in 1 Peter 3.18. Secondly, why is our sin so offensive? 
because of the nature of our sin, suffered for sins, 50, narrow down to three, and the nature of himself, righteous. And therefore, here's the question, the final question. So why did the man, Jesus, have to die? And here's where substitution really kicks in. This is brilliant. The possibility of a substitution, the righteous for the unrighteous, unrighteous. The possibility of a substitution rests on the identity of the substitute. So what is this idea of substitution? It's a little bit like a swap. Recently, we had those uh, cards, Lego cards, I think they were, from Sainsbury's. All the rage. Can we get enough so we've got swaps, says Tommy. Oh, let's see if anyone at Town Church has got swaps so that I can swap my Lego card for that Lego card. But it's more than that. Substitution is more than just a swap. Uh, We could go on to say, well, it's someone in the place of another a little bit like um, yesterday watching the rugby. It's a little bit like watching the substitute rugby players come onto the pitch in replacement of those who have been playing. There's, there's an act where somebody takes the place of another. We could say that, but it's more. Substitution, this doctrine of substitution at the cross is a little bit more. And here it is. It's... it's In its essence, one person taking the place of another to bear his pain and save him from it. That's the essence of the doctrine of substitution. One person taking the place of another to bear his pain and save him from it. And we do have pictures of this story the Catholic father Maximilian Kolbe in the Second World War captured in Auschwitz concentration camps. A number of prisoners have been selected for execution. One of them shouted, I'm married with children. And Maximilian Kolbe, a Catholic father, he stepped forward and asked if he could take the place of the condemned man. And his offer was accepted. There he was thrown into an underground cell and left to die of starvation. We've seen stories like that. Moving from one place to another to do what? To take the place of another to bear his pain and save him from it. We get this picture throughout the Old Testament, the elaborate system of sacrifice, blood sacrifices. A substitute animal was killed in recognition that the penalty for sin was death and its blood was sprinkled and the offerer's life was then spared. That's the essence of substitution. That's what's going on at the cross. But here are a couple of questions. Can it just be a man? Can it just be another Maximilian Colby who steps in the place of me? Can it just be another? No. How can another man stand justly in the place of another man if All mankind is sinful. You'll have heard us say it many times. Romans 3 verse 10. All have sinned. No, there is no one righteous, not even one. All have sinned. 
Or can I just be another man who stands in my place? Well, can it just be God? Well, how can God represent humankind? And how could God die? He would not be God if it was just God. You see, Jesus is not man alone. And Jesus is neither God alone. He's he's not man alone and he's neither God alone. Jesus is the God man. His uniquely constituted person was uniquely qualified to mediate between God and man. Jesus Christ is the God man. It's unique in the Christian faith. Do you see? God came as a man to live a human life without sin. Without sin. He walked my pain. And yet he did not sin. Now he could take the place of sinful man. (laughs) 2 Corinthians 5.21 God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus became sin. He had no sin. He'd done no wrong. But Jesus, God's son, became man. He then became sin and was treated as sin deserves You see how desperate my sin must have been? How desperate my situation must have been that the only solution, the only solution was that Jesus, the the God-man, the precious son of God, will be sent by his father and freely go as his son. It wasn't his father saying, you must do this. It was the Lord Jesus saying, I will go. The precious son of God sent by his father and freely going as his son because of their combined love. There was no other way for God to bring me back to him. There was no other way. Him for me. Christ in our place. It's the essence of the cross. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How are we to respond individually as a church? The whole way through the Bible, you see this. Today, repent and believe. Today, if you're not a Christian, the call is say sorry and trust that the God man died in your place him for you if you're a christian rejoice why because christ also suffered once he's done this it doesn't need to happen again it's the ultimate sacrifice for christ also suffered once for sins your sins past present and future but that means today you say sorry today for the things you've done wrong. And his sacrifice that happened once counts for all, for all time, for every sin. And you keep trusting that the God man gave everything, (coughs) gave his whole life for you. That's how we respond today. Him for me. That's substitution. 
and there was no other way. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing of such truth. Father, thank you that you saw it fit because of love to send your son and thank you for the obedience of the Lord Jesus and thank you for the love of the Lord Jesus to go to the cross for me. Thank you that you died in our place. Thank you that you, out of great love, because you desperately wanted us back with you, you went to the cross and you died my sin. You became sin. You took on my punishment, my judgment, everything that I've done wrong, everything that I'm doing wrong, that I will do wrong there, nailed to your hands, taken on your shoulders. Thank you for wonderful grace today. And would we be a people who celebrate it, who continue to recognise this sacrifice continue to say sorry continue to keep believing and trusting the wonderful god man has died in our place help us to celebrate now as we sing these truths in jesus name amen